joining me on episode six of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, and I am just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dustin and how you can do small things in life that will add up to something great and change the world. Welcome back. This is Rachel Gentleman with Unique on Purpose, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. And the gentleman that I have today, I met, gosh, Dustin, I don't know how long ago we met. Has it been, it hasn't been 10 years, I don't think, maybe eight years ago, something yeah, like I mean, that. About seven or eight years. Yeah, okay. We met because uh, you were pastoring, I was pastoring. We met at a conference. I knew your boss at the time, John Gunn, and we just kind of met through that way. And and Dustin, he is from Pontiac, Michigan, if anybody's ever heard of, of Pontiac. I was actually born there, but I left when I was nine days old, so I don't remember much about it. But Dustin is a husband, he is a father, he is a pastor, and he is also the leader and founder of Pontiac Community Center. And we'll talk a, uh, more about Pontiac Community Center in a little bit. But first of all, Dustin, welcome. I'm so glad that you're, you're hanging out with us today, but I want you to share your testimony uh, of a young kid because you have a very powerful testimony that that people need to hear absolutely rachel thanks so much for the opportunity to be on today and and to share and and really my life and story starts at at um seven years old i can remember uh quite vividly um, the circumstances um the city of pontiac is a is a microcosm of detroit in terms of uh, its challenges, uh, the, the crime, the violence, um, the opportunities that kids like myself uh, had to, to become just another statistic. Um, and so at seven years old, I was living in that environment in the neighborhood I was in, drugs, alcohol, incredibly prevalent, even prevalent in my home at times. And I was living in a single parent home. My dad was, was absent. And so my mom and grandmother were uh, were raising me. At seven years old, uh, I had a family member that was involved with a uh, local faith-based nonprofit organization, the Power Company Kids Club. He was a leader there, was heavily involved, in it, and I saw that, saw what he was doing. And uh, one day he was over at our home, and, and the director, the leader of that organization, was picking him up. And I said, man, I, I would love to go and I would love to be there. And he said, well, hey, stay right here. About an hour from now, a, a bus will come by picking up your neighbors. Uh, why don't you jump on that bus? And little did I know, hopping on an old Sunday school bus on a Saturday morning. At it just happened to be old, that day that you asked. It just happened to be that it day. It just happened to be <laughs> that day that I asked. Uh, that, that was going to be the day that I would hear the gospel message for the very first time and they give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. From there, uh, my at life- seven years old, at seven years form. old, you understood the gospel and you gave your heart to Jesus. Absolutely, and, I, and there was no presence of, of, of Christ in my home, in my neighborhood. In fact, I was the only one you know, in the faith, and it was that way for some years. Mm -hmm. uh, being a part of that program, uh, 
I started attending every single Saturday. And it, very lively program, really demonstrating the awesome the kids in a very tangible way uh, through games and songs and activities and prizes, but but then a, a strong gospel-centered message uh, each Saturday. And that ministry uh, was reaching out to 1,600 kids in the inner city of Pontiac. And I was one of those kids that was coming on one bus to hear the gospel, and it was amazing what, what God was doing in my life. 1,600 kids every weekend that the power yes. company was picking up through a bus ministry. Absolutely. Now, was Absolutely th- was, incredible. Was this a part of a church, or were, was power company their own entity? Yes, the power company is is its own faith-based 501c3, uh, very closely connected to churches in the area and across the state, but uh, able to stand on its own as a a parachurch ministry and and really with a mission of of saying, hey, we want to come alongside of the church, particularly the church in Pontiac that's navigating many challenges and help feed kids, help bring the gospel kids, but also feed kids into local churches so that they can be you know, more productive citizens and, and obviously uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. So you're seven years old. You, you accept the uh, Jesus into your heart. You start attending Power Company every Saturday. So then what happens? Yeah. So I, I kind of followed the trajectory that, that my cousin was in as I was kind of following his lead. And I become a leader uh, in the Power Company Kids Club, mentored by Pastor John Gunn that started the organization. And so now I'm a part of as a as a middle schooler and even as a high school high schooler, uh, bringing those kids in on Saturdays, visiting them in their homes every week as we did. And uh, in fact, uh, ten years after my conversion, those those first ten years, uh, I was doing it all on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, my mom wasn't serving the Lord, my grandmother wasn't serving the Lord. Uh, my brother was involved in, in drug culture and gang life, and so it was a really uh, tumultuous environment. But 10 years after my conversion, uh, my mom, my grandmother, uh, both give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, uh, baptized in water. I just, I mean, my grandmother, at almost 80 years old, um, you know, has this amazing experience. And, um, you know, here I am. I'm just, I'm just following what I know, <laughs> following the Lord's footsteps, yes. doing my thing, and no idea that, that my own family's watching me. Yes. And uh, coming into their own faith journey. But what is, uh, what made you want to stay in the faith when you're living in that environment? Here you are, you're young, you're impressionable, and you're uh, living in this environment around people that don't know Christ, but yet you're still plugging away. I mean, what made you want to keep going? I think there's two things. Number one, I saw the difference Mm. from my home, my environment, my neighborhood, and what was happening at this ministry. It was a clear dichotomy. That's number one. But number two, that value was being instilled to me to say, hey, your life has potential. God's got incredible things for you. You, you know, you you don't have to be another statistic. And so I just kind of set myself kind of on this direction with, with God leading and with these mentors to say, I'm going after this, you know, come hell or high water and, and nothing's going to deter me from that. So was that the first time you really heard that, that, that God has a plan for your life, that, that you had purpose? I, I don't know. Was that something that you were getting at school at all? Or was it just at power company where they said you have a purpose? in this life yeah i would say predominantly overwhelmingly it was just that at power company i had some other influences and other people there but it was that group that was saying 
and I mean over and over and over and over again, because so many of the children coming into the program are dealing with these these incredible situations of poverty and crime and violence around them, and nobody's. Uh, you know, putting that input into their mm. lives. And so the organization made it a point to say, listen, God's got a plan purpose for your life. Uh, you may not be able to see it, but if you have a head, keep serving him, keep following him. And and us as kids, I, I'm not the only one. There's, there's literally hundreds of us that made those decisions and, and now have a different life because of it. It's amazing to see what, what God has done. Okay, I'm trying not to cry right now because it's so awesome. But <laughs> so So you grow up going to power company every saturday and then eventually you become one of the leaders that oversees power company correct absolutely so i i come up through the program and we can get into this if you like but in high school i actually had an amazing opportunity to have an internship at a local church uh follow that pastor uh, to his hometown after i graduated high school to help him start a church mm-hmm. uh, in kansas city missouri and and do my schooling there and it was amazing to be a part of a, a church plant and serve as a, as a pastor and staff and watch that entire experience. And after being there several years, you get a call from Pastor John Gunn that says, hey, would you come back home? Let's come back to Pontiac. Would you, would you lead uh, the day-to-day ministry in Pontiac uh, that you were part of as a kid? And, of course, I seized that opportunity um, uh, to be a part of that and, and to lead the charge. And you're very you're very good with kids. I mean, I had you and your wife come up when I did a kids retreat yeah. in Traverse City. And of course, you two were phenomenal. And I stole a ton of the things that you did and I implemented <laughs> them into my kids ministry. So you're leading. You're one of the leaders now uh, for Power Company. And tell me what that was like to see now these kids that you were once you were once them. And now you're leading them. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting thing because I still feel as though I haven't really fully grasped right what God has done is doing, you know that that total seat change. You know, here I am now as the director. I'm leading a staff of fifty people mm-hmm. uh, that are investing in kids in Pontiac, but even more than that, I personally am leading an area of the city where I grew up and came to faith in Jesus Christ. That. So I'm the one now that is knocking on the doors, meeting the kids, driving the bus, turning on my very same street. I mean, it was every single Saturday doing that was literally, it was like an out-of-body experience because I would turn on that street, see the home I, I grew up in, that, that my family still lives in, and then right down the street, be picking up Johnny or whoever to come to, come to power. I mean, just incredible to watch the ripple effect, right, mm-hmm. of what God, you know, does in, in lives and people. And, but I think the other thing, Rachel, that I just begin to see is, you know, the, the critical, critical, critical need that's, that's occurring in a city like Pontiac. Now I've come out of it. Yeah. Now I've got fresh perspective, and I can see what families and adults and children and, and, and people are dealing with. Um, as they're trying to come to faith, you know, trying to deal with how, how do how do I live? 
how do I live day to day? How do I navigate poverty? How, yeah. how, how do I keep myself away from the, from the substance abuse that's in my community? How, how do I not get into gang culture as an avenue as the only way to have some type of, of economic vitality? How, how, how do I get gainful employment and get into the workforce? So seeing all these things as I'm bringing the gospel to the children that the families grappling with and that also began to kind of shift my perspective on 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 where god was leading me and the, okay. the type of ministry that i needed to be involved in okay so you're here at your power company and i have to say i've been down to power company and i've seen what you do and it is very impressive as a former kids pastor uh i know i was never a teacher monday through friday you know nine to five kind of job but i had a hard enough time just on sundays trying to rally kids together. It's like herding cats. But here you had hundreds upon hundreds of kids I watched in this huge gymnasium, and they were all silent. They had their hands in their laps, and all of them had their eyes on you. And what... Uh, I mean, just everything that you implemented was so incredible and how these kids were paying attention. And I think like what you said, this is a place where they are being told that they are loved, that they are worth something and that they have purpose. But you, you like you said, you, you're all of a sudden seeing not just the kids, but you're seeing the family dynamic of what they need. And is that what kind of led you to begin this now nonprofit organization, the Pontiac Community Center? Yeah, I would say that one of the reasons why I think that ministry is so successful is because it is, for many of us kids, the only source of discipline and structure that they have. Mm, okay. And children crave that. Right. Uh, but I also think adults crave it, right? They, they, they want to have a structure. They want to have systems. They want to have things that work mm-hmm. that they can be a part of. And and I and I think seeing the tremendous need uh, that even my own family members still deal with. Like I've, I've, I've received the gospel and, and been able to see God do incredible things in my life. And I'm still watching, uh, you know, folks struggle, uh, just struggle. And so, you know, my wife and I, Colette, we really felt like, you know, we needed to seek the Lord on where he wanted us to be and what he wanted us to do in terms of really being, this overarching change agent uh, in the community of Pontiac. And so we really just started to pray, say, God, what's, what's the mechanism? We, you know, we feel like the ministry we're, we're doing now is incredibly effective. Like what, what else is there that you would have us do? Mm-hmm. And that's where he kind of took us into this um, to look at uh, what community foundations are doing across the country um, to advocate for the community. Um, to see the needs, to identify those needs, to to hear from people, to to pull the data, and then say, what are those transformative solutions uh, that are going to change people's lives, change their surroundings, their environment, their their, their you know their their workforce and, and economic situation, and and how can we also do that with the gospel of mind and, and from a faith. Uh, faith perspective and to demonstrate the gospel tangibly, and so that that's what really led us to start the Pontiac Community Foundation in in 2018 uh, as as a, mecha- a mechanism to say, hey, we're going to build a brighter future for Pontiac, and we're going to engage uh, leadership and philanthropy and collaboration in a new way uh, to change people's lives in the city. So, what exact um, projects maybe are you doing that would improve? Pontiac itself, because that just sounds incredibly 
for lack of a better term, ginormous. I mean, it just sounds like a huge (laughs) deal what you're trying to accomplish. And obviously you have to start small and work your way up. Uh, But what projects are you doing now to work through that? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I was just talking with a few members of our board and I said, and, and still we're, you know, three, four years in and still, you know, how, how, how do you eat an elephant? You know, yes. how, how do we tackle such amazing challenges? And it's it's one bite at a time. I mm-hmm. mean, that's the way that that you do it. But um, we started with a, with a couple of things. Um, number one, we've got we've got four basic areas of, of focus. Community investment is one, uh, economic vitality, civic engagement, and racial equity. And what we're saying is, you know, what are those, how can we move those things forward to change things? So things like um, redeveloping a, a local city park in a community where access to recreation and community spaces is so limited and, and transportation is limited, so people can't go to maybe another place, a surrounding community to see that. For us to come in and to redevelop it, a city park, it sounds so simple, mm-hmm. but it's so transformative to a community that, that has been undervalued okay. and underserved. And to have a place where they can bring their family, they can bring their children, they can walk and play and express themselves, uh, absolutely incredible to, to work with. Uh, we launched an entrepreneurship center um, to work with entrepreneurs in the community that just trying to struggle and make it and maybe have an idea, maybe maybe have a gifting that, that God's given them, but they don't know how to get that started and, and right. how it's going to benefit their family. We give them the resources and the capital and the skills to do that. But, but I would say probably, Rachel, our coming of age moment was was during the, the peak of, of the pandemic. Okay. And at the start of you know 2020, this year that we all you know had to grapple with, I really felt like God was saying, "Hey, you guys have you got you have to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is your moment. You right? Know, how and where are you going to step in to to meet the need that that your community is facing, and and really how that need is." It's, it's an already existing need, but now it's going to be exacerbated. So how are you going to meet that? So, yeah, we just kind of, kind of prayed and said, okay, God, what's that, that mechanism? And we just began to pull the community together, community leaders, churches, nonprofits, our civic leaders, our mayor and council to say, hey, we'll be the arm in the city to make sure that um, we're collaborating, that resources in this really emergent time are getting to the community. And one of the amazing things is that um, over the course of 2020, through our collaboration, we're able to give out over a million meals okay. um, to people in need in the city. It was amazing. That's just one of the th- major things we were able to do. It's amazing to see what God did through that. So you collaborated with local government leaders uh, to to uh, move forward in this. How did th- how did they embrace you? Were they welcoming of you? Like, what's the catch? Like, you want to serve the community? Was it that way, or were they just in open arms of yes, let's do this? Yeah, I think some had kind of that the open arms, the welcoming side, and say yes, any help we can get is great. And others were skeptical at first <laughs> to say, okay, you know what, you know, you, kids, kids, you do kids ministry. How, how, how do you gonna, right. you know, what, what a community organization and all that? But and, and surely, as as the listeners have heard through my story, 
I've just been blessed to have the favor of God in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we made the vision clear. We made it clear what we're trying to accomplish. And over the course of time, uh, you know, the mayor's office and, and city council and, and other you know, leaders welcomed us in and said, hey, whatever you need, however we can partner with you, uh, however we can meet the needs of the community, we want to come alongside of you and, and make that happen. And I think with those local leaders, that's their dream and their vision, too. I just don't think people, especially in the secular realm, are used to someone coming along inside and saying, yes, I want to help, no strings attached. But that's what Jesus does. You know, Jesus wants to come and he wants to wash people's feet. And you're going, well, why in the world would you do that? But it's because we have that love of Jesus. That's why we want to help. And just some people don't understand that. So that's great that you were able to collaborate with the local leaders. Tell me a little bit more about maybe your plans to help alleviate poverty. I know that you talked about the the playground, which I think is great. And I know that you said it was a small thing, but it was huge in your community. I think maybe for some, it may seem small. Because, like me, I live in northern Michigan. The things of Detroit and Pontiac seems seem days away. And we would take something as small, maybe, as a park for granted. Where for you, that's a huge deal. But let's focus a little bit on what you're doing, in a sense, to alleviate poverty outside of the entrepreneurship, training people in entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And and. Setting the landscape is important as well. I mean, Pontiac, um, in, in the last census information, identified that 50% of children in Pontiac live in poverty. Okay. It, it's a city where it once was one of the most violent cities in the nation on a per capita basis. Um, you know, these issues of, of, of overarching poverty and all these other things are so important to tackle because the issue isn't hey, I, I, I have food in my cupboards and I, well, I, don't, I don't like to eat macaroni and cheese or I don't like to eat hot dogs. The, the issue is that people don't have food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't have food. They don't have, have transportation. They don't have the resources to get that. Mm-hmm. And so one of, the, one of the things that we helped set up during the pandemic that, that is continuing now is this central resource database to get food and, and other material resources out to community members. And so for those that have a need, uh, they can express that need through through this central website here and, and list those needs. And so on the back end, we partner them with a, a community uh, volunteer that will come alongside of them and say, okay, hey, what's your situation? What's going on? How mm-hmm. can we partner with you? How can we meet that need? Uh, sometimes how can we pray with you as well? And so the first part of that resource is the delivery of 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 food uh, of of other resources getting that right to their doorstep and so that's kind of that that emergent critical um need being met but i think the other part of people getting out of poverty is really two things that we're trying to accomplish number one uh, helping them see that there is a way out. Okay. Um, just like just like I, I saw as a as a child, like there is an alternative. Um, you're not stuck in your situation. You're not stuck where you are now. Helping them see relevant examples and doing the storytelling side of it. Okay. Because I think so so much when people are in poverty, there's just you're so stuck in your own situation and your day to day that that thinking about getting out is unimaginable. Mm-hmm. 
Not only do you not have time to do that, but yeah, because you're in survival not, mode. It's just not real. You're in survival right. mode. So yes. You're telling me I can have a job that'll that'll pay <laughs> for for things adequately and have a car and have right. all these things. And so, some of that is just that storytelling piece to give relevant examples of people like myself that have come out of the, you know, you know the, the 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 most jaw dropping abject poverty you could ever imagine, and that's number one. But it's also walking people through kind of a continuum of care. And so you're at the bottom of the real, okay, yes, let's get you those those emergent critical things that you need. But let's also walk you through through that path. And so where does that start? Does that start with making sure your kids have ad- adequate education opportunities and, and maybe some of that's through after school tutoring. So we're partnering with community organizations that do that in our community. Maybe that's getting you in a workforce development program hmm. uh, that's in our community. Maybe that, that is the entrepreneurship side. Maybe that's there, but it, it kind of comes from that personal development. Yes. Meeting the critical need, but also setting you on a trajectory to, to get really to where you need to be to get out of that situation. So that brings up a question for years ago when I worked for a church, we worked a lot with people who are in poverty that would come into the church that would, that would ask for money. We would try to do counseling. A problem that we would run into quite often was those that were in poverty did not want to get out of poverty for the reason of they felt that they were betraying their friends and family, that if they got out of poverty, they would be leaving everybody else that's in poverty behind. And it would be as if it were a betrayal because here I am making myself better and they will feel that I'm looking down upon them. Do you, do you find that at all where you're at? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that, if, if I can take a, a, a different example, uh, but I've studied some of these, you know, there's a lot of pro athletes mm-hmm. that come out of uh, situations like Pontiac, perhaps even poverty. And sometimes they will literally go broke themselves because they're giving all of their money back to their, their family and, and the people around them mm-hmm. because they feel this, I can't be successful and, and I can't step out because I, there's still people around me that are struggling and dealing with those issues. And we deal with that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's tough when you're stepping out and you have family members, they're still struggling. And, and, and so there's two things. I think number one, if we, we, we treat this organizationally and, and with the community organizations we work with in Pontiac, as often as we can, we use the expression, it is it is a help up, not a handout. Yes. And so for people that are coming out of poverty, the mindset is you have to step out. Yes. You you have to do that. That's the only way that people are going to see the example and they're, they're going to get that, 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 that help up. Um, but at the same time, you know, I know for me personally, it is, it's still seeing the need that others are, are that, that others have still helping them with that need, still even, even giving back to the extent that I can, but that doesn't change, you know, what God's put in front of me and the opportunities he, he's given me. And I realize that not everyone's going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the, that's the state that's it's even biblical. There's always going to be poor among us. There's always going to be homeless. There's always going to be those steps that needs. But if there isn't a group of us that step out, Yes. Um, to lead that charge, it, mm-hmm. it's impossible for others to do so as well. Well, and what those people are doing, like you said, they're creating the stories. 
and there being examples for somebody else that says, no, you can get out of this. Look at what I, I mean, you were the first one in your family to go to college and graduate, weren't you? Yeah. And to get married, right? Because I think a lot of people yeah. in your in your family weren't even married. That's true. So uh, and now and now there's been a new you know generation of of you know following me that will be serving the Lord and living right and and hopefully successful to to the extent that God allows and mm-hmm. um, that's what it's all about. And what a it's great like a foundation! I, I love that you're going to you know you have your son and you're going to be raising him so differently than how you were raised. And I I hope and pray that he sees how blessed he is, you know, from where you came from and where he is today. You just, you get to start this whole new legacy. You get to start this whole new generation. And I I just, I absolutely love that. And I love uh, uh, projects like the Power Company that are changing lives one kid at a time, just like yours. Uh, I know that you have uh, other areas that the Pontiac Community Center is reaching, but I want to touch on, you said, racial equity. Now, what exactly is racial equity? I hear the word racial equality, but what is racial equity? Yeah, that's a great question. Racial equity is is really the thought that not only do we want to express that there's an issue or express that, you know, perhaps there have been inequities um, over the course of of our history as, as a nation, but also to now say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna also build up um, other cultures and other races, and 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 even make strategic investments to make sure that's happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in our community, um, folks that that are trying to uh, start businesses that are, that are black or that are Latino, they haven't had the same kind of access to, to capital, mm-hmm. and so that's one way that that we can help build equity and do that. Um, but I think the other part of that is is just, and, we, and we've done a lot of this. We did a lot of it, particularly at the height of the pandemic. Is it's just having courageous conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think we not only need to acknowledge the issue, but also but also hear from others mm-hmm. about what they've navigated and and to hear how we can help um, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there 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 are systemic issues that have occurred um, because of because of our history as a nation, and and organizations like ours are saying, okay, well, what can we do to change those and, and to make sure our future is brighter than than the past behind us. So then, what what is the Pontiac Community Center doing in that area? When you yeah, say so you're trying things- to get 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 them capital, I guess what does that mean, and how do you go about it? Yeah, so there's there's kind of two things that we've been focusing on. Number one, it is the the economic development side, the uh, small business side, uh, making sure that our granting as an organization, we give out community grants, uh, that we are not necessarily playing favorites, right? That's not our that's not our that's not our focus, but to say that those that may have been overlooked in the past, mm-hmm. that that we're paying attention to them and making sure that. If there are dollars that we are, as an organization, giving out, that, that we see them and that we hear them, and that even if, if maybe struggling to fill out an application or to understand the language or whatever it is, that we're also providing those opportunities to make sure that it's, it's a level playing field. The other thing we, we started um, as a result of the pandemic was a, a task force on racial health inequities. 
because we, what we saw during the pandemic was that here's COVID-19. And the reason why we saw COVID-19 hit so hard in communities like Pontiac and Detroit and, and, and Highland Park, you know, downstate that have the worst um, rates um, for, for those that, that had COVID-19 and that died from COVID-19, the worst in the state, I mean, it was absolutely unbelievable, mm-hmm. is because there have been issues of inequity in terms of access to healthy food and access to transportation, access to jobs and all those things that that made the issue so bad. Mm-hmm. And so what we said is, okay, we're, in the, we're coming out of this pandemic. How can we make sure that that never happens again. Okay. And 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 some of that is just some of that is just healthy access, making sure people can get to a healthy grocery store, can get to a doctor, can can do all those things that for you and I are just that's every day. Right. But really, they've never known. Or even just teaching what healthy is. There's so many people yep. in poverty; they have no idea what a healthy meal is because. They're in survival mode, and so if I'm gonna, if I only have a dollar, I'm going to buy that dollar macaroni and cheese, even though that dollar macaroni and cheese is not good for your body. So just to even teach uh, those simple values of what it is to be healthy, to build up your immune system, I mean that's huge. Those things are huge, and and like I said before, it may seem small to somebody like me who lives so far away from Pontiac and Detroit and. But those are the things that we up north, or even somebody that's in another state, those are the things that we take for granted, not being around and that I, area. And I think that's that's the gospel being demonstrated tangibly, right? Right. Like if these are things that inhibit people from from really experiencing that full expression of what it means to follow Jesus Christ, then we've got to we've got to get rid of we've got to get rid of these issues. We've got to get rid of these barriers um, because we've seen that so much in the city. Because it's like, well, you know, how, how can I how can I serve a God and follow a God that, that says he loves me, but I'm still struggling right. with all these other issues. And so part of that work is to say, no, no, he, he wants to help that, too. He wants to tackle that, too. And so let's take take both of those issues and, and let's let's demonstrate not only the fake side, but also mm-hmm. the tangible expression of the gospel. The thing is, yes, God wants to provide, but it takes people. And so these, uh, those of us that maybe have more of an advantage because we're not living in poverty, uh, tell us how we can help with the Pontiac Community Center. If I am, maybe I'm in California, but that's something that I would want to invest in. How could I do that? Yeah, I think the, you know, the first start would be to, to learn more about what we're doing. Um, to follow us on Facebook, um, you can look us up, PontiacCommunityFoundation.org uh, is a start uh, there to, to see what we're doing. Um, if you're in the area to become a volunteer, uh, certainly to pray for us, to, to give financially if you're able. Um, but, but if I can just take it a step further, I, I think, Rachel, it's also people, you know, because people maybe they may be in northern Michigan, maybe other areas of the country, and there are things that they can do in their local community yes. that I can do. Mm-hmm. And so it's seeing that need, seeing those opportunities, and 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 saying I'm not just going to do my thing and do my faith and do my journey, but I'm going to also 
look for opportunities just with my neighbor next door right to, to help and and to make sure that that, that they uh, they're valued and, and that they can see that tangible expression of of God's love that may open a door uh, for something more mm-hmm. and um, I think that's valuable both in Pontiac where we're at and what, what we're doing but also for those across the country right and I think that we see how huge these issues are. And we don't realize that even that small thing of just offering to go to the grocery store for your neighbor makes a huge impact and will change the world. And if you have any questions about the Pontiac Community Center, you can go to PontiacCommunityCenter.org. You can find them on Facebook. And you can also probably reach out to see how you can start something like this in your own community, whether you are in Florida or Tennessee or Wyoming. And there are issues that sound just like what is happening in Pontiac and you say, yes, this is burdening my heart. I want to learn more. Again, go to PontiacCommunityCenter.org. Dustin, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Is there anything else that you want, any words of wisdom that you want to leave us with? Thank you so much, Rachel, for for having me. And I would just say, um, now's the opportunity uh, mm-hmm. in the world we live in for uh, folks to demonstrate the gospel. Let's seize it. Let's do it. Let's make a difference. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dustin. And again, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you next time. Thank you again for joining Dustin and I for that conversation on the Unique on Purpose podcast. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you next time.